It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself in a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 134, a podcast that looks at news and views and culture and various other things, largely from a Christian perspective, from all over the world. And we're listening to all over the world. I noticed that last week that we were in the podcast religious charts anyway for the UK and South Korea and Ireland and Colombia and Austria for some reason, and of course here in Australia. But here in Australia, we have a problem. Social media giant Facebook has announced it will restrict publishers and Australian users from either sharing or viewing news content from here and right around the world. In a statement released in the last couple of hours... Facebook has unfriended the whole country. Facebook have a monopoly, so do Google, and the Australian government, and I give them enormous credit for this, have taken them on. And Google have had to back down, they've had to start paying those who provide it for it, which is exactly the way it should be. But Facebook, they have gone absolutely crazy. And what they've done is they've blocked health and government organisations. So... Uh, and charity organisations. So, for example, the Melbourne Royal Children's Hospital, Bowel Cancer Australia, Multiple Sclerosis Australia, all their Facebook pages have been removed. And, of course, every item that I post on my blog, because this is not just news, has been removed. So when I record this, and then I put it on my blog, and then I put it on Facebook, Facebook won't allow it. They will remove it. I think this is really going to backfire against them, and I hope that other countries will follow Australia's example. So good for Australia. I'm beginning to like this country. Taking on the Chinese, taking on Google, taking on Facebook. Hey, who knows what we'll be taking on next. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place... And then let's go with some world news man it doesn't show signs of stopping and i brought me some corn for popping the lights are turned way down low let it snow let it snow when we're it's summer here in australia but it's winter in the uk and they've had a lot of snow but in america in particular uh, there's been a lot of snow. Millions have been left without power, especially in Texas and California. 21 have died as, as brutal weather has set in across the US. Those of you who are listening from America, we do think about you and, and pray for you. I find it interesting that a year ago, Australia was in the news because we had the bushfires and it was incredibly warm, hot and Everyone was saying, this is global warming, this just goes to prove it. And now the drought has gone, and we've had a relatively mild summer. Um, even as I'm sitting here, this is the middle of summer, they would expect the temperature to be in the mid-30s perhaps, and it's in the mid-20s, and not likely to rise above that for another couple of weeks. But strange, that doesn't make the news, does it? What has made the news, as we reported before, was a court having told the Dutch government 
that an overnight curfew to reduce COVID-19 is actually illegal and has to be uh, removed because it breaches the right to free movement. Uh, That's quite an extraordinary decision. As regards COVID, the new variants are causing the real trouble, particularly in Europe, where only 4% of people have been vaccinated, as opposed to the UK, where it's 20%. Um, There have been a, a decline in infections in Europe and, in fact, all over the world. I think all over the world, the, the total is a drop of about 16% this week, which is, is good news. But there is concern about the new variants. Let's move away from some of that world news because there's some other stuff I want to look at uh, that's a wee bit mad. But we'll, we'll do that under the section, it's a mad world. Um, let's Let's... Listen to this extraordinary man. I suppose in any story of a great thing of reconciliation, there's so many uh, people behind the scenes that the deed wouldn't have happened if the people behind the scenes didn't play their God-given part in it. Because I didn't think he'd ever be released, and I wasn't doing it to have my name down in history. It's not down in history. I was a backroom boy. And yet somehow... I think it played a part in the whole, and I say that humbly. I think I'll leave it at that. Now, his name was Colin Chambers. You've never heard of him, have you? I had never heard of him. But a listener sent me this, and I just thought it was lovely. Colin Chambers was the chaplain for Nelson Mandela when he was on Robben Island in prison. And it's just a lovely little testimony of how he would come and read the Bible to him. And I love what he has to say about Mandela saying to him that when he left prison, and I think Mandela was quite an extraordinary man. I loved reading his biography. That when he left prison, he said, unless he forgave the people, he would be walking out of one prison into another. The chaplain says, you know, I had... Nobody knows me. I have no part to play. I was just a backroom boy. But it's the backroom people who, who make things happen, if you like. And I just thought that was a, a lovely testimony. And, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever job you're in, you may consider yourself a backroom boy. You may not be famous. You may not. I, I would suggest you don't want to be famous. It's funny, sometimes I get accused of that. I get accused of, you're just trying to be a celebrity. But please, no, absolutely no. That I do not want. But uh, I just thought that was fascinating. You can play your part, as that chaplain did with Nelson Mandela. And then let's hear a little bit of a sermon. Hello to all the good people of Washington National Cathedral. Greetings from San Antonio, Texas. May God's richest blessings be upon you. It's a great honor to have a few minutes to talk today with you about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit can bring calm to our chaos. That was Max Lucardo. Max Lucardo, famous uh, Christian celebrity even, Christian writer and speaker. And that's him speaking at the Washington National Cathedral. Now, there was a, I was going to say considerable fuss, but the usual suspects, 1,500 people sign an online petition or whatever it is. 
um, because uh, of his views on marriage. In other words, he holds to the biblical views. Now, he issued an apology for disrespecting and hurting the LGBT community in his past sermons. He stated this, in 2004, I preached a sermon on this topic of same-sex marriage. I now see in that sermon, I was disrespectful. I was hurtful. I wounded people in ways that were devastating. I should have done better. It grieves me that my words have hurt or been used to hurt the LGBT community. I apologize to you and I ask forgiveness of Christ. Now, I haven't heard his sermon. And maybe he did go over the top. But maybe he didn't. Maybe he's just being bullied. Maybe actually disagreeing with any part of the LGBT agenda. So, for example, saying that you think marriage is between a man and a woman. Maybe there are people who would say, well, that's hurtful. Yes, you get banned for saying hurtful things. But are we really going to define ourselves by that? Okay, let's move away from the US and let's come to Nepal. Here's a little bit of worship music. That is someone called Santosh Tirwa. Now, let me say just something about Nepal, uh, first of all. It's actually doing really well, and people are surprised it's doing so well as regards COVID. There have only been 2,000 deaths. People were expecting with a poorer health service and a poorer population that there would be a lot more infections than there have been and a lot more deaths. But that's not the case and people are, are puzzled by that. But another thing that's really puzzled people is how the Nepalese church has grown despite persecution and despite poverty or it might even be because of these. In 1951, there were no, no Christians listed. And then in 1961, there were 458. By 2001, there were nearly 102,000. And a decade later, that had tripled to more than 375,000. Um, the increase is probably much higher than that. Uh, I was intrigued by uh, Bishwamani Pokharol, who's the news chief at Nepal's Nagarik newspaper and he, he said uh, I love this quote before when the Christians had a party they slaughtered a chicken now they slaughter a goat um, he's been reporting on the conversions and of course he's explaining it's a goat because the extra meat is needed to fill all the new people who've joined the guest list um, there are lots perhaps of different reasons for that before 1915 Nepal was closed to foreigners then you had Mount mountain climbing, then you had the Maoist civil war of the 1990s, you had the end of the monarchy in 2008, it's now a communist-led secular republic with greater freedom of religion. Uh, a lot of people are claiming it's growing because of healings. If people 
can't get into hospital, don't go to hospital, they go to the church and uh, they say that ask for prayer for church leaders and they're seeing healings in response to that. Okay, let, let, let's just come to the mad world stuff. Um, Here's Ralph McTell. So how can you tell me you're lonely And say for you that the sun don't shine Let me take you by the hand And lead you through the streets of London Show you something to make you change your mind Okay, why are we talking about the streets of London because good old woke Sadiq Khan doesn't seem over concerned about crime in his city, even COVID. He set up a commission on diversity in the public realm to evaluate statues, street names, building names and memorials. Um, 15 commissioners were chosen through an open recruitment process and will serve for two years, probably get paid a lot of money. Um, they're not elected. But boy, you, you know what they're going to do. You know what they're going to do. Uh, one includes social rights activist Toyin Agbetu, who interrupted the Queen at a ceremony marking the abolition of slavery, and he said that the British are the Nazis. Um, but whereas the Germans had the humanity and humility to apologize and make reparations for the Holocaust, the Queen, in not doing so sh for slavery, shames not only herself but her nation. Yeah. And then Margaret Thatcher's old Oxford College, because this is where the woke are coming in. It's, it, it's, it's at the elite establishments. So at her old college, the, the students are being ordered to take a course in unconscious bias to expose innate racism, homophobia, transphobia, and disability discrimination. Can I ask them to throw in Christophobia? Would that work? No? Uh, Baroness Royale of Blaisden, principal of Summer College, instructed students to complete the online class by this Friday, and they must achieve a mark of 100% in a final test. <laughs> this is brilliant. This is just 100%. This was a woman who served in Ed Miliband's uh, shadow cabinet. Um, and she goes on about individual unconscious bias all of, her, all of us have. She says that uh, students have to admit, otherwise you fail the test, that you're susceptible to bias. And you have to accept responsibility for monitoring your own behaviour. And you have to admit from suffering from mini-me syndrome, because they automatically favour people like themselves, where, of course, the Baroness obviously favours people unlike herself. Yeah. Um, they're told that thinking their tutor doesn't look smart and is a bit unprofessional may not be appropriate. You, would you pass that test? I certainly wouldn't. All right, let's chill and relax. Listen to just a tiny bit of, to me, 
I'm not sure I know any piece of music more beautiful than this. That is Beethoven's seventh. I think it may be, it's the second movement in it. Um, it's just absolutely gorgeous, gets me every time. However, I thought of it because of a fight going on in a musicology journal called the Journal of Schenkerian Studies. Now, the editor is a man called Timothy Jackson. He's a music theory professor at the University of North Texas. And he defended the interwar Austrian-Jewish composer and theorist Heinrich Schwenker from a charge that he personified white racist attitudes that dominate classical music. And his university has suspended him. Um, they've launched an investigation into his behavior and they've suspended funding for the Schenker Center, which he runs. He's been, of course, vilified by the Twitter mob. He's been ostracized by his colleagues. This is because of someone called Philip Yule, who's a black music theory professor, who gave a talk at the Society for Music Theory and who basically said that classical music is compromised by its whiteness, that white supremacy is evident in the teaching, playing and interpretation of classical music. They are all coded in a white racial frame, says Yule. And um, the reason Beethoven enjoy such high esteem is not because of that beautiful music that you've just heard, but because he's been propped up by whiteness and maleness for 200 years. All I can say is just give me strength. And then, I mean, here's another one. Scott Morrison, there's a, there's a horrendous situation here in Australia of a liberal staffer, now the liberal here is the Conservative Party, who was raped and there seems to have been some kind of cover-up in the Parliament. And he was apologizing to her and he was he, he made a statement for which he has been absolutely roasted. He said this, Jenny and I spoke last night, Jenny is his wife, and she said to me, you have to think about this as a father first. What would you want to happen if it were our girls? Jenny has a way of clarifying things, always has. Now, what's wrong with that statement? Please tell me. Because I listen to it and I think, yeah, it's a man talking to his wife. Do you know what the outrage brigade you know what the Twitter mob heard? They heard a man saying, I didn't know rape was wrong until I spoke to my wife and she told me it was wrong. That's not what he said. That's not what he thinks. That's not what happened. But it doesn't matter. That just doesn't matter. I mean, let me put it like this. Imagine if somebody said, you know, I was attacked because of my color, because I was black, which is just a horrible, horrible thing. And then someone else said, you know, while I was speaking to a black friend and he was just telling me how horrific this is and how often this happens. And I repeated that and they said, well, 
don't you, this kind of woke mob, would they say, of course they wouldn't, but would they say, well, uh, uh, it, he shouldn't need to be told that. You know, uh, it's just an attack on a human being. It doesn't matter whether you've got friends who are black who can tell you that or not. Well, I think it does matter. And I think it does matter that you respond and react as a human being. One other thing in this madness section. Uh, Humza Youssef, the Scottish secretary, has been criticised, rightly, for refusing to say if the Scottish government believes that there are more than two sexes. Not two genders, but two sexes. Humza, I'd love to know. Does the Scottish government, don't you know? There's male, there's female, biologically. What else have you got? Feel free to tell us. All right, let's go to Estonia. 30 years ago, Estonia became the latest small European nation to declare independence. Faced with terrible winters, they struggled to even find petrol for ambulances and the supermarket shelves were empty. But today, Estonia is one of the most successful small countries in the EU. How did they do it? That Estonia people were preparing themselves for independence whole their lives. We actually planned a lot of this stuff ahead, since we had a firm belief that we would become independent. A wave of young people took over, dismantling everything. I just really wanted to introduce that because it's an actually excellent film by the Scottish commentator Leslie Riddock about Estonia and Estonian independence. Now, Leslie is a well-known Scottish independence supporter, so of course that's what she's advocating for. But I just found the whole thing fascinating and very, very encouraging in different ways. So because the 24th of February is Estonian Independence Day, uh, this is the Estonian national anthem. It does sound like a Soviet anthem, but nonetheless, my fatherland, the beautiful Estonia. Happy Independence Day, Estonia. <laughs> Let's look briefly just at a couple of deaths to mention them. Um, here's the Palestinian poet Morid Barghouti. He's died at the age of 77. Um, he was born in a village in Ramallah, four years before the State of Israel was created. He spent much of his life in exile. He wrote a memoir called I Saw Ramallah, which I do intend to read, actually. It's a famous, well-known uh, book, and he died this week. Also, this man died. My point in everything today that I share with you about this is to say thanks and to tell everybody involved how much I love you from the bottom of a sizable and growing and still beating heart. You have an expiration date. A lot of people never get 
told that, and so they they um, don't face life this way. I've learned what love really is during this. Now that's Rush Limbaugh. He's, I think we could call him right wing, uh, radio megastar. I remember being in the States and, and listening to him and oh, just he used to drive me crazy. But sometimes he said some really good things. And there's no question that he's had a phenomenal influence. Um, he, he, he did say some wrong and daft things, but he also said some good things. And, you know, as always, we mourn any human death. But here's a bit of good news. First of all, do you recognize this man? The basic principle then is this, that we are not to live to please ourselves. We're not to live as if we belong to ourselves. And that means several things. It means, first of all, we are not to uh, determine for ourselves what is right or wrong. We give up the right to determine that, and we rely wholly on God's word. We also give up the operating principle that we usually use in day-to-day -day, uh, life, and we stop putting ourselves first, and we always put first what pleases God and what loves our neighbor. It also means that we are to have no part of our lives that is immune from this self-giving. We're supposed to give ourselves wholly to him, body and soul, and it means we trust God through thick and thin, through the good and the bad times in life and in death. That was... Tim Keller, and he's in his second fight against cancer. In this case, it's pancreatic cancer. He's had, I think, 14 different chemotherapy treatments, and uh, that they appear to have worked. In one of the instances, the tumors appear to have gone, and he's put out an, an email or a message just saying that he still has cancer, but it's excellent news. We're rejoicing that God has worked through our prayers and chemotherapy to accomplish so much. What the future holds, I do not know, but we will continue to trust his plan and allow him to shepherd us along his chosen path. Okay, we're going to go. I'm going to leave you with a great song from Dave Alvin called Beautiful City Across the River. I'm a thief and a liar. I use your name in vain. But now I'm in some trouble that's kind of hard to explain And I need your help and I pray that you'll consider Helping me over the borderline to that beautiful city across the river Love that. Feel free to uh, support Podbean Fundraiser. If, if you rely on Facebook to get your link to this, I suggest you sign up just to follow it on my blog, sign up to the blog, then you get posts about that because uh, Facebook have unfriended Australia and therefore have unfriended me. And continue to send in news and views. We'll go all over the world again next week. And God bless you and may you know his peace and joy and love. Bye. I never had money, not enough anyway. Never got a break. I struggled day to day And then I met this girl down in Tennessee And for a few dollars she was real kind to me But she wanted things that I couldn't give her But I'll be rich as any king In that beautiful city across the river
didn't fire a gun Just stole what I could And then I began to run Drove three long days straight to El Paso With a bag full of cash and visions of Mexico Now, all I'm asking Is that you will deliver Me over the borderline To that beautiful city across the river 